Bridget has always lived her life full of courage, generosity, and love for others. Today, she talks about her personal journey with her own mental health and how she committed to being her own hero and inspiration. She shares how music has shaped her life, how music inspired her to co-found her company, Listen, and how during the process, it's the very thing that broke her open. She even shares with us a little bit about her latest project, Experiential Billionaire, which is heavily rooted in presence and cultivating life experiences. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to Love's Everyday Radius, a podcast brought to you by the Hoffman Institute. My name is Liz Severin, and on this podcast, we engage in conversation and learn from Hoffman graduates. We'll dive deep into their journeys of self-discovery and explore how the process transformed their internal and external worlds. They share how their spirit and light now burn brighter in all directions of their lives. Their Love's Everyday Radius. Welcome, Bridget. Hi, Liz. Very excited to have you on today and really get to hear your story. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. I'd love for you just to start out by telling us a little bit about who you are and when you did the process. Sure. Uh, My name is Bridget Hilton. I live in Los Angeles and I'm a social entrepreneur. Uh, I run a company called Listen that makes headphones and speakers, and we give our proceeds to giving hearing around the world. Uh, I did Hoffman Essentials in 2020 and then graduated from the full process in 2021. Incredible. And just for the listeners, Hoffman Essentials is a two-day virtual course that the Hoffman Institute puts on, and it is two days of essentially going through the essentials of the Hoffman process. But um, Bridget, how would you say that the Essentials course helped prepare you or did it for the in-person course? Yeah, since it was during the beginning of the pandemic, I was unable to go in person. So I signed up for Hoffman Essentials online and uh, it was a great way to like set me up for the week-long process and that I did in 2021. So by the time I got up to like Petaluma, I was just ready to rock and super excited and fully aware of my patterns and like ready to get deep on the actual work in there. Hmm, that's great. I, I always enjoy just hearing how Hoffman Essentials can, you know, lead you on a journey, but also bring you fully to the in-person process. So thanks for sharing that. Did you always know that you wanted to be a founder or a social entrepreneur? Uh, it's funny because I I had like two things when I was a kid that I was always really, really interested in. And it was um, one of them was music. I was hyper obsessed with music as a kid. And then the other thing I was obsessed with was like the idea of like starting my own company, even though I had like no one in my life that had ever done that before. But it was just always something that I was super interested in. So, yes, I did always know that. So the two, yeah, so the two things that you knew as a child, um, you've made come true. (laughs) Yeah, it's very random, but true. (laughs) So Bridget, you talk about knowing at an early age that you wanted to do these things. Where did this drive, this curiosity, where did this come from? 
Sure. So I was born in uh, Flint, Michigan, to a very blue-collar family in the auto industry. Um, I didn't come from, like, any money or have any real education or role models. Um, I never had a close relationship with my parents. I was also never encouraged to, like, have emotions or share emotions or show how to love or be loved. And as a result of that, I never felt like I was actually, like, good enough. And this really drove me to try to like prove that I was good enough and that I could get out of the situation that I was born into. Um, I didn't have heroes really, so I wanted to like become my own hero. If that made sense? Totally, of course. Yeah, be your own your own hero, your own role model. I was always obsessed with music as a kid, and I also like wanted to start my own company, but I didn't really like know how to do that. But um, I used these two things as like a way to escape and dream. And like, I saw like how it could be my ticket out to like a better future. Yeah. I was just going to ask you, what do you think it is about music that you were so drawn to as a young child? That's an, you know, that's a very interesting kind of passion to learn at such an early age. And so, yeah, I'm curious, what, what is it about music you think? I think it's just such a great way to escape and it's such a, an emotional thing. Like when you hear a song that you connect with, it's like you feel like they're singing it to you or like that you are part of that experience. I mean, I was just so in love with music. Like it was my whole life. Like as a teenager, I was like just this little hustler in these terrible jobs. Like I uh, had a job like picking up trash in clubs and I was like passing out flyers on the street and I sold merch on the road through like a thousand American towns of, you know, selling t-shirts with bands and I'd like sleep in my car at night and then in the morning go to my other job and like selling CDs at the mall. And I was just like super hyper obsessed with it. And like this idea of like making it and like going into the music industry and like hopefully one day like moving to Hollywood and like having that whole dream. Yeah, eventually I ended up meeting someone who knew a person that was like hiring interns at a a record label. And I basically harassed them until they interviewed me. (laughs) I lied my way into the internship, like telling them that I was like in college. But um, really, I just like really wanted to work there. And I could never afford to make it to college, but it was like my version of an education. And then uh, one day I finally got a job there and I was making like 20 grand a year in the mailroom. But you made it, right? It was you were in the music industry, in the mailroom, but in the music industry. <laughs> oh yeah, it was like it was incredible. I mean, it's funny because like a mailroom job sounds so not great, but to me it was like I really thought like, oh, I'm just like so rich now. I'm never gonna <laughs> like it's just gonna forever be amazing. So yeah, when I was 21, they uh, shut down that office that I was working in, like just as I finally reached this point where I could survive. And I ended up leaving like Michigan and headed to Hollywood and getting a job at the headquarters of the biggest record label in the world, which was my dream come true. Wow. Even just, you know, hearing the this story back, I think I'm, I'm really, what's really calling to me is you really setting your mind to something and having it come to fruition. I mean, do you have a sense of what that is? Is that, would you call it spirit or what was, it almost sounds like something was working behind the scenes to, you set these goals for yourself at such a young age and boom, 21, we're here, we're in LA, you've made it to Hollywood. 
Yeah, I don't know. I think it's just uh, this drive that was kind of propelled by like a negative thing of me not feeling like I was, uh, you know, I had to like prove something to myself and to other people that I was good enough and that I could do these things, even though I came from like the not an ideal situation. And it's funny because it's kind of a paradox. It was such a dream come true, but at the same time, it was like extremely unhealthy to to be in my early 20s in Hollywood. And I had like, you know, unlimited access to drugs and alcohol. And I was like at concerts every night. And like all of these bad patterns were coming up and these addictions that I had were manifesting in me because I had this like void of like not loving myself. At the same time, it was it was great, but it was also bad. At the time, were you able to articulate it as such, or is it really through your ongoing mental health journey and and Hoffman that you were able to kind of put words to that feeling or that emptiness? Uh, I would say over like the last couple of years that I've really, you know, dove into mental health and through Hoffman, like I can definitely articulate it better and like think about it. Uh, I don't think I ever would have thought that way then, but There was like a moment where I was like, okay, this is getting a little too crazy. And I wanted to bring like the locus of control back to myself and like take agency of my own life. Around that time, I actually saw a video of a woman hearing for the first time on YouTube. And it made me think about how important music was to my life and like how I wouldn't be anywhere without it. And that's kind of how Listen was started. Yeah. Tell us more about this video. (laughs) Sure. So it was this woman named Sloan and she basically, you know, was at a clinic and got hearing aids and heard for the very first time. And she was the same age as me. So it really just like connected with me. And it was at the same time where it was this moment where there was like an energy around conscious capitalism. Um, And it got me thinking about how I make my life meaningful and how do I make a living like from that life. It made me think, like, how do I make a net positive in my life instead of, like, a net negative, which is where I felt like I was at that point. And I realized that there was, like, nobody doing anything in social enterprise with music or with hearing. And, um, you know, electronics is basically, like, the poster child for (laughs) bad business practices. And long story short, I linked up with my friend Joe. I sent him this video of the woman hearing for the first time and told him about my idea that you know, I wanted to be that person that was like giving hearing. That seemed like such an incredible experience to have. And we were actually on a plane like a week later to China, like sourcing products for what eventually would become Listen. And uh, that was 10 years ago. And since then, we've been lucky enough to sell millions of headphones and speakers and give over 50,000 people the gift of hearing for the first time all around the world. Wow. So one week or so from you watching a video, you had come up with this business idea. You're on your way to China and ready to change the world, change people's lives. It's funny. I just found my journal from that week. (laughs) I was like, wow, it really did happen that fast. Yeah. And that's incredible. If we kind of bring that to, to present day, what brought you to the process? I would say like throughout the time, where we were really like hardcore traveling with Listen, there was just so many things that happened that kind of like led up to me going to Hoffman. Like for years, we were working in these developing countries, many times with victims of incredible amounts of trauma. We worked in Uganda with children and women who've been rescued from Joseph Kony's LRA. And we worked in Rwanda with victims of the genocide and 
in Sri Lanka with soldiers from both sides of the Civil War. Um, we spent some time in Kibera, which is like the biggest slum in Africa. And we were just seeing all these results of like war and poverty. And it like fundamentally changed the way I viewed life positively and negatively. Um, and as like a company and a brand, we'd always try to capture like, you know, the happiness and the joy and like the moment that uh, people's lives changed forever for the positive. And it was uh, an incredible high. But at the same time, on the daily, we'd also have these patients that we couldn't help. So simultaneously, it was like the most incredible experience of my life, but it was also very traumatic. And I never really processed that until the last couple of years because I put this roadblock like up in myself that, you know, I had so much trauma growing up, but I could never compare it to what these people that we were helping have been through. And I refused to like seek therapy and to admit that I had problems basically because I didn't see myself as worthy of help as what I had seen throughout the world. And I thought it was kind of like a ridiculous privilege to, <laughs> to focus on my own mental health, like as a healthy American. Obviously, this could not have been more wrong, and like comparing trauma is a losing game. So, as you can imagine, like over these years of not dealing with my own issues and like seeing these traumatic things like snowballed inside of me, and my relationships with other people and myself like all exploded. You bring up such an important topic, and that's the comparison game, comparing trauma. And I think that is such a big thing for people to begin to explore because yeah just like you said the things you've seen the highs the lows you know it creates these beliefs in you or yeah like you said that I, I you felt unworthy to seek the help that you need and i i think that can ring true for so many people for whatever reason you know they they compare themselves outside to others trauma and think well i don't deserve to seek help or my problems aren't really as bad as other people's. And so it keeps them, keeps them stuck, keeps them not searching for that healing. So I appreciate you even just speaking about that. Yeah, I think it's a, a really big problem, especially in our country. I was kind of just in this downward spiral, I guess. And then uh, at the beginning of 2020, uh, I went through a completely like soul crushing separation with the person that I thought I would be like spending the rest of my life with, you know, lost half my stuff, moved out of my house in San Francisco. And then I'd moved back to LA. And at the same time, the pandemic hit, you know, my business got cut in half, we had to lay people off, and we stopped paying ourselves, our charity shut down. There was just like so many bad things happening at the same exact time. And it all happened like within like two months. And of course, that's like set me into like a depression. And I just went to the darkest place I'd ever been mentally in my life. I couldn't eat. I just like sobbed constantly. And when I woke up, I would just like count the hours until the day would be over. It was horrible. Yeah, basically, I lost like everything that I was attached to all at once. And all that was left was like myself. And I hated myself. <laughs> So this was like, you know, right before I went to Hoffman in, well, Hoffman Essentials in 2020. Well, do you remember what the catalyst was for you to kind of say enough is enough? I need help. Sure. Yeah. I mean, of mo after months of like just being in this really terrible, dark, horrible place, 
I came to this realization that there was like only two paths forward and one was a very scary, dangerous one. And what the other one was like an opportunity because like when you're at your lowest in your life, it's like the best opportunity to change your future. So I kind of like turned myself into like a mental health guinea pig <laughs> because I'm the only one that can like change my brain and my outlook and nobody else was going to do it for me. And I, I was like literally sitting at home alone, you know, like just thinking about like, what can I possibly do to not think this way and feel this way? Yeah, but there's that determination again, you know, there's this commitment to just bringing it even back to childhood, just the same belief in yourself, this inner knowing, like I'm the only one that can change it and I'm going to, I'm going to do it. It's powerful. Yeah. And I started doing all these, you know, modalities. Like I started transcendental meditation. I went to therapy, I, you know, read like an entire bookshelf of self-help books and that was all great, but there was like not one thing that was really like pushing me forward. So I had heard of Hoffman from some friends and it seemed like really interesting because it was, you know, experiential versus like something like, uh, you know, reading is like, is great, but it's also like an experience is better, of course. And that's when I signed up for Hoffman Essentials and uh, subsequently went to uh, Hoffman in 2021. I, I love that saying, reading is great, but experiencing is, is better. And that's a huge, a huge belief that we have at Hoffman too, is that experiential learning. But if we, if we fast forward to you arriving, you know, to the in-person process in Petaluma, what would you say was the moment during the week that really broke you open or landed you in the process? I'd say the first couple of days I like teared up a bunch and got emotional, but I never really like broke open until I think it was probably like maybe the third day or so when you when we had this exercise that was like a very impactful crazy exercise but during it you guys played in the living years which is this song that i've heard hundreds of times in my life but i had never really like thought about the lyrics and like heard it in that way and it just really hit me and like the waterworks came and you know i'm like wearing my mask and sobbing and it was just kind of all a mess but um the exercise was so profound and all of the emotional energy that i had had from the week like all came out and that experience was so impactful because I felt like it gave me permission to forgive my parents and myself of like all the kind of terrible things that have happened in my life. And then the mixture of that with like the next day was actually my favorite part of Hoffman. And I remember I went back to my room that next day and wrote in my journal, like today was one of the best days of my life. And I had cried tears of joy, which is like the complete opposite of the day before. So I think my, one of my favorite things about Hoffman is that it allowed me to experience like the full range of emotion in like, you know, 48 hours just in those two days and to feel so completely comfortable, like being myself in a room of 30 people that I didn't know prior. And it allowed me to like give myself love and self-compassion in a way that I didn't even know existed before that. Yeah. And I, I think the fascinating thing in that is music that music was the thing that broke you open and and speaking, you know, drawing back to when you said in childhood, growing up in a household where you didn't learn to express emotions, emotions weren't welcome. And you found that release or that emotional connection to music fast forward then into adulthood. And the very thing that 
broke you open and touched into that emotional depth within you was music is what a beautiful story and just proof that music is is such a part of your spirit yeah for sure I love that. Yeah, I mean, I really consider the process like the best investment I've made in my own mental health and sort of like the summit of that two-year journey that I was talking about to like heal myself. And that's not, you know, saying that I'm like perfect or anything like that, but I still have like a lot of internal work to do. But right now, like post-process, I'm genuinely happier, like more free and more clear and like how I want to live my life than I've ever been. One of my favorite things about Hoffman is that it was a surprise and that there's so few positive surprises in the modern world. Like everything is so, you know, available online and there's just so much information that it it was such a breath of fresh air to not know what was going to happen. Like there's nowhere online where you can go that's like, okay, here's the daily schedule for the Hoffman process and here's everyone that's going to be there. Um, And I love that. And I was really grateful and enjoyed the fact that there was like people from so many different like age, race, where they're from, their backgrounds, et cetera. And it was very diverse and everyone was just different, but was there for the same reason to like heal and better themselves. And that was really powerful because that kind of environment can really propel growth further and faster. And so one of my favorite experiences is just Hoffman like giving me that gift that was like a connection with a new group of people that were like supportive and interesting. And I'm super thankful for that. That's such a, a beautiful way to put it. It's one of my favorite things about the process is just you have to be present. It doesn't allow for any, um, you know, unless someone obviously tells you about it, a lot of things about it, but the mystery, right? We talk a lot about the mystery of life. And I think that not knowing what the process holds day to day, hour to hour, really uh, is a practice at being present and open to the mystery of life. And then you, as you said, just being able to peel back all the layers of the outside world and just see humans for humans and get to love and know people in such a intimate way without the distractions, without anything else kind of getting in the way. I completely agree. I mean, humans definitely tend to gravitate towards people that are like them and can end up in this like echo chamber, um, which kind of stops your growth. So I think that Hoffman, like, it's just such a great way to experience more. Yeah. What are some of the practices that you're, that you're doing, whether that's to grow spiritually or to touch into that part of you? Yeah, something that's been really interesting, like, so every year I write overarching goals for the year and like break them down into months and hang it on my bathroom mirror and like really try to like accomplish them. And this year, number one on the list is grow spiritually. And before Hoffman, I would have never, ever even thought of that as like being a goal. (laughs) But um, the shift that Hoffman made in me is like to be more spiritually led and like make that my number one priority and then everything else can follow from there. So I think, you know, just something as simple that I've been doing every day that I didn't do before Hoffman is like, when I wake up, I like go watch the sunrise every day. And I do like my gratitude and appreciation while doing that. And then I do the same thing when the sun sets. That's made a huge difference in like my difference in my mental health every day. That's beautiful. Uh, I'm curious to hear about how I know Listen is still going strong. And so I'm I'm curious, though, how Hoffman 
and your work there is impacting present day work projects, what have you. Hoffman really gave me like the willingness to be more open and courageous with expressing my, my emotions. And a project that I'm working on right now, like involves a lot of writing and speaking and it really comes out in that. So when I'm like speaking to a crowd of people or, you know, writing a chapter of this book that I'm putting out in October, it's like made it okay to be myself and like express the real emotions that I have, which has been super helpful. Yeah. Tell, tell us more about this book that you're writing. The name actually started as a joke with like a lot of things in my life started as a joke. Um, <laughs> in the early days of Listen, people we knew uh, would always like see me and Joe in like, you know, Forbes or something and be like, you guys must be killing it. You're crushing it. And we would always like laugh at them and just say, well, we're actually giving most of our money away, but we're, we're having all of these amazing experiences. So I guess we're experiential billionaires, not actual billionaires. Um, our new project is based around the fact that the number one regret of the dying is not the things that they did do, but the things that they did not do. So what we did was create like a roadmap in a book to get people to go beyond the fundamental ways that we measure how we're doing in our life, which is typically like the size of your bank account or your resume or your stock portfolio and making sure that people focus on their experiential por portfolio so they can live like a richer life without the end of life regrets, which has been proven because like nobody on their deathbed wishes that they cuddled with their phone more or you know, something like that. They wish that they traveled or like learned more, helped other people or spent more time with their friends. So right now what we're doing is we're putting out these like 50 page guides to different experiences that get people off the couch and off their phone and start living like a more experiential life and like trying to, you know, knock things off their bucket list, whether it's like trying to surf or spearfish or, you know, roast their own coffee beans or like make their own pasta. And it's sort of like a way to look at these models from when I was younger, like a, like Choose Your Own Adventure or like the Four Dummies series, and making it into like something real in a world of like device-driven entertainment and like the metaverse and NFTs and all that. So yeah, the book we're currently writing is uh, coming out in October and is the deep dive of all of these like application tools to help people start investing in experiences and gaining like real life value now. And it mixes in stories of our own past and then the science and psychology behind novel experiences. What an incredible, I, this sounds amazing. What an incredible concept. And even just putting that into words, experiential portfolio to even shift one's mind to think, how can I grow and build my experiential portfolio? Which I'm curious, what are some of the... Um, what are some of the big life experiences that you would say are currently in your portfolio? So many. I've been super, super lucky to like, I really have like thought this way for a long time and experiences really are the most important thing in my life. Like I value my memories way more than anything that I could possibly buy. Some of my favorite like travel experiences uh, definitely like going on a safari or, you know, hiking the Great Wall of China, seeing the Northern Lights in Iceland, climbing Machu Picchu. But, you know, at the same time, like I do just love the little things. Like I love a good sunrise and sunset. Wow, oh, that's beautiful. 
I hear that you're in the still in the writing stages of this book of this project. You mentioned that the process has allowed you to be more open uh, with your emotions, more authentic. Has anything shifted in just the writing process, sort of how you approach that? Sure, I think it's just allowed me to like be more vulnerable and like just kind of surrender to the process. And like, there's so many stories that I would have never even told before. I didn't maybe want people to know that about me or it didn't make me seem like a good person. But I, I realize now that like, that's what people gravitate towards. You know, that people just want authenticity and realness. Yeah, very much so. And has, has the love of reading or reading and writing always been a part of your life? Absolutely. I mean, I would say definitely like reading. I was always a big reader. Like when I was a kid, I loved it. And maybe that was part of like the escapism or whatever. But um, I love it. And I have this practice in my life that I've been doing for like the last probably, I don't know, 10 to 15 years of reading one book per week. And so I have quite a few books here. (laughs) One book a week. So what does that what does that go down to? Like how many hours a day do you read? Uh, I usually read like one to two hours a day. Yeah, I try to do it like in the morning or like right before bed. Any book, one book that you would recommend to listeners that's really been instrumental in, in your journey of, of this self-discovery? Ooh, one book. That's hard. You can give us a few. The last year, my favorite books were The Comfort Crisis. And then actually the Matthew McConaughey book was incredible. Uh, Green Lights was great. Right now, I'm actually reading this book called Radical Acceptance. That's um, very impactful. And I think uh, I'm not done with it yet, but I would highly recommend it. Yeah, thanks. We will definitely add that. We need to get like a, a Bridget Hilton book club or book list going, um, as well as maybe a, a list of new experiences to add, which we'll be getting hopefully from your experiential billionaire book. I would love for Hoffman to have a book club. Well, we'll talk about that, Bridget. I like this idea. I'm also a a huge fan of, of reading and kind of getting a book club going. So we heard it here first. Bringing it back to your week, and I know music was so impactful for you. I'm interested just to hear how life has been, you know, or even that first weekend leaving the process, what that was like. On the last day on that Friday, I was just like, so sad to leave and wish that it wouldn't end, which was definitely not something I would have expected. I would have expected to be like dying to look at my phone. But uh, I didn't even want to look at my phone. I cried like the moment I got in my car to leave. And then um, I remember like pulling out of the driveway, just crying. But then something just like switched and I was like so euphoric driving home and like for the next six hours of the drive like I just felt like high on life (laughs) and um like colors just seemed brighter and music just seemed better and and everybody knows that like the drive down the five like from northern to southern California is the most boring drive in the entire world and it's just like straight empty road full of cows and tumbleweeds. <laughs> but on that day, it was like the most incredible drive I've ever had because I just felt so alive and free and good. Ever since then, I've, I've honestly just felt better. And that's, uh, that's no BS. It's just um, I've really been like enjoying keeping on with the practices. And 
I don't know. I just feel like it was one of the best things I could have done for myself. Yeah. Well, I'm curious, what does the future hold for, for Bridget Hilton? Hopefully, you know, well, publishing my book and then uh, doing a lot of speaking and um, hopefully just like living that experiential life, keeping on being healthy and happy. Thanks so much, Bridget. Thank you, Liz. I love you guys. Thank you so much for everything you do. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. My name is Liza Ingrassi. I'm the CEO and president of Hoffman Institute Foundation. And I'm Ras Ingrassi, Hoffman teacher and founder of the Hoffman Institute Foundation. Our mission is to provide people greater access to the wisdom and power of love. In themselves, in each other, and in the world. To find out more, please go to hoffmaninstitute.org.